0: hello I think we're I think we're alive we are how you doing (laughs) I'm good Martin good to have you here today brother um I just want to check in uh with everyone welcome 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 to another episode of uh you guessed it we're back again our essential conversations of well-beings and um today we've got a special guest we have a special guest called Martin and uh you know we're gonna explore many many landscapes today Um, but we to. Martin has had quite a journey, you know, he's, uh, he's hit rock bottom and was moments away from blowing his brains out and his dog came in and saved him just in the, in the nick of time. And then now seven years later, after exploring many different types of healing practices and 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 being on a on a, on a really uh, interesting life changing journey, he's here with us. And at the moment, uh, Martin is a mental health writer. Uh, he's just popped an amazing podcast. And his mission in the world is to invite invite and invoke people to come alive and to uh, die happy. Yeah, who, who doesn't want that, right? Yeah, and um, you know, and preferably uh, not too soon either. So, Martin, yeah. Hare, welcome, brother thank you
1: thank you Nigel thanks for having me really uh i've been looking forward to this so thanks very much
0: yeah man it's uh when i have a man coming on the show called martin o'toole it, it brings me alive i don't know what it is but your name just uh kind of tickles the back of my heart man it's like it feels very-
1: <laughs> my middle name is michael as well so actually a lot of people think you martin michael o'toole where are you from then and I'm Like, well i'm actually from england but yeah i do have irish
0: family yeah, <laughs> Yeah. There's something ancient about that, but yeah, man, I'm really curious to know a little bit about, you know, like what, let's get started something. Let's find a point to get started on, you know, like where, tell me a little bit about, you know, the journey that society had you start to partake in that we all sometimes believe as the journey, you know, the journey towards success and finance and entrepreneurial sort of uh prelice and, so what happened? And you know, tell us about that journey and how it slowly you got there. And then it maybe wasn't how it was how you thought it would be. Tell me a little yeah, bit about how, a, how it all got started.
1: That's a good question. Well, I, um, obviously I won't go right back to the beginning of childhood. But uh, but I my mum was a, a teacher, primary school teacher, and my dad was a salesman. And he travelled around uh, all of England with a car boot full of toilet seats and uh shower heads and pipes he was, he was basically selling um gear to the to the plumbing merchants of uh, mm. the uk so he was out he was a he was out a lot he was out and about a lot and uh, my mum was obviously working as a teacher but she was also um sadly an alcoholic um oh. uh, and a pretty a prolific alcoholic you know she would uh, she would drink a couple of large bottles of lambrusco wine every night and that, and that was going on from my whole existence as far as I could remember so it was it was something that my brothers and I were very used to or sadly became used to and I guess there wasn't a lot of money in the house um, and by the time I got to 17 I I couldn't wait to leave you know obviously it wasn't a, it wasn't a great environment unfortunately so I left and my older brother had already left and had it in his mind he was going to be a successful entrepreneur and he actually was for a, for a good while. He had a great business, did really well um, and I left with the same view. My younger brother was the only one who went to university so he went off and trained to be a lawyer and I, I suppose there was a drive very early on for me that I wanted to have a different life, I wanted to, to
0: be happy, be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Hey Martin. Um uh let's come back to the drive to be happy but i'm curious about what you were wanting to get away from like what was that experience like for you to have a mother so a mother who's an alcoholic is a mother who's not so in touch with herself or in touch with Mm. uh, your heart or having an interest in 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 you in a way that would be you know like uh intimate or so i'm really curious about the, the sort of like what as you went through that journey of being in that environment of uh, for certain kept hungry and many on many levels i'm imagining mm-hmm. and please correct mm-hmm. me if i'm wrong um, no no you're right like, so what was that that you were that that you wanted to get away with like how were you as a man, as a young boy at that time like what how how did, how did that impact you? Or are you aware of how that impacted
1: you yeah no that's a that's a great question so um i think with Hindsight and of, of a lot of healing, uh, it's it, it's now clear to me. I, I was lacking. I was lacking uh, lacking one th- one main thing, and uh, I had an abundance of the other. So the abundance was drama. Uh, I was surrounded by dramatic events, uh, a lot of shouting, uh, a lot of unpleasantness, a lot of bizarre events. Um, as as is the way, and I'm sure anyone. Uh, uh, watching or listening to this would uh, be able to attest to some of the, the oddities that a child uh, witnesses when you have an alcoholic parent. Um, and it's you know it's the sort of stuff that you never want to see a parent doing or being. Um, my mum, bless her, she's dead now, uh, but she was uh, she was another an, an entirely other creature, possessed. Buy the demon a drink i mean no, there's no two words about it i'm just conscious my t-shirt says devils and I'm talking <laughs> it says no devils in this house satan is rude it's uh it's a nice happy t-shirt but um yeah it was a very bizarre upbringing and uh there was a lot of verbal violence occasional physical violence and and a, and a great deal of emotional violence so you know we grew up um our, our informative years, our, our first, our first uh, eight years, were, you know, it's not not the right place, and you know what it's what that what that does to uh, to a person's psyche. So, and the thing we were lacking, of course, was intimacy. We had no intimacy, yeah. or very very little. And it and it was a the catch twenty two shame of it was, when my mum wanted to give intimacy, I think. There was a subconscious or very conscious element of disgust from us, you know, we, because we'd seen her in this state, and, and also we didn't trust her. We we didn't trust this this woman because we weren't sure which version of her we were going to get. So uh, intimacy was a, a huge issue, and ultimately we didn't get that. You know, we didn't get what uh, what um, f- people in a fortunate family arrangement get. So what yeah by the time I got to 17 I'd already been arrested a couple of times I've been uh, I've been involved in a lot of um violent incidents uh I'd committed a lot of violent incidents it was, I I was a very angry young man uh, we all we were all very angry and um and I couldn't wait to get out um but I guess escaping that um and feeling as though I was escaping it. I, I didn't actually escape anything. Uh, I escaped that household and that environment. But as I learned much, much later on in my life, I was, by that time, carrying a great deal of trauma.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, and I'm that that the way i I'm, uh, yeah. yeah. it's. Uh, <clears throat> I think it's really... Um, if to the to the viewers watching you know it's 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 you know what martin's really highlighting here is when his environment was not responsive and when it wasn't reliable and what happens when we are in non-responsive non-reliable unsafe environments we learn to either become violent in w- one of two ways we either, be violent towards the self where we pull in and and withdraw and have like a state of apathy, I suppose, where it's like a violence towards the self, shutting down, isolating, pulling back, blending into the wallpaper. And then the other one is a violent towards the world to others. And, um, and people either choose one or the other or both as, as ways of relating and behaving in the world. And, uh, yeah, I chose, I actually chose both
1: Nigel. Funnily enough. I, I, I I mean, I'm, Forty-six in November. So, uh, self-harming wasn't—I don't think—really a recognised um, condition, was it, t- t- thirty years ago, um, or at least it certainly wasn't discussed. But I-, I had no idea. Again, until later later in my life through this journey, I had no idea that what I was doing to myself was self-harming. Do you remember uh, tape cassettes? Mm-hmm. Right. So I used to. I used to. Whenever. Uh, an, an incident occurred, usually in the house or you know whatever it was, uh, an emotional incident where uh, I was I was faced with a great deal of uh, upset. I would lay out these tape cassette cases on my bedroom floor, and I just punch them repeatedly until they smashed, until they until the broken fragments were were in my knuckles. You know, bloody hands, and I I, I had no idea that that was. As actually self-harming and of course as you probably know there's a bizarre thing that happens in our brain uh, chemically when if we are feeling uh, immense emotional pain if we replace that with physical pain it distracts us and removes the emotional pain albeit for a short while and i was doing that habitually and i had no i suppose i had no idea um, that that was I'll say abnormal, but I don't mean that with judgment, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was doing all of it and uh, and in spades. And then when, uh, when I left home, um, I was already drinking, but of course I had this mindset, I'm never, I am never going to be like her, I would say, never, ever, ever. Um, but I had a tolerance for alcohol. And I think that's my Irish genes. <laughs> you know, uh, we can drink. We, we just can't drink. Uh, so and I, I, I was drinking a lot already, you know, as soon as I was. And then I was into bars and clubs and so on and so forth. And it, but I was a bad drinker then. I was constantly uh, getting into fights and uh, arguments with partners and so on and so forth. And, uh, and, of course, on the flip side of that, I had for many years... I mean, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to say, right up until I was about 43, um, I, I could not uh, relate to women. I had a lot of partners. I have two ex-wives, um, unfortunately. Um, and I had, of a, a course, as you might expect, anybody who becomes a, an addict of any description, um, alcohol, drugs, and sex, uh, addiction, amongst uh, many, all sort of come into play. So I had this very unfortunate sex addiction, where I now realise I was essentially looking for that intimacy that I never got, right? and yeah. and I was seeking it on a on a very perverse level. And um, so I realised then that I was essentially suffering. From uh, from narcissistic personality disorder of some description, I didn't realise any of that at the time. Of course, it's all uh, this has all come out in the wash. Um, so I had a, a super unhealthy relationship with women, uh, and notwithstanding uh, any of that, I had a, a super unhealthy relationship with with anybody when it came to conflict.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I was always, you know, I, I always wanted to be liked. I was in sales and marketing. So, you know, it's kind of goes with the territory, but of course it also goes with with um, a narcissist um, who who's spent their whole life just wanting to be loved, you know, literally just wanting a cuddle. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I on, on, a, on one level, I would get on with everybody, most people, well, not everybody, I'm sure. <laughs> no, just definitely not everybody. But, um, but I was a, a likable guy, but I wasn't being me. I wasn't being authentic. So I had, a, I had a mask for every person that I met, you know, and I, I, was, I became incredibly um, clever on, a, on a, almost a Machiavellian level um, with these bizarre complexities running around in this fight-or-flight environment 24-7. Okay, that's that person. I've told them this truth, that truth, this lie, that lie, this lie, and they think I'm this person. Right, mask and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, with dozens, uh, hundreds of people. Um, actually, it was incredibly exhausting. So, and I was incredibly um, abusive, not physically. Uh, I was never physically abusive to, to a partner, but I was certainly mentally abusive, um, I, and I was a gaslighter as well.
0: Mm-hmm. You see, uh, Martin, as I hear you talk, you know, it's... Uh know it definitely could have been worse but you know it's like it's like it couldn't have been any other way either you know what happens whenever you know you have such a hostile environment growing up or a sort of unreliable environment and and you're starved of love and hungry for connection and then you learn to become more you learn to overextend you learn to be someone else who tries hard on different ways but it's exhausting man And after a while, you get so far away from yourself that, you know, it's a sort of empty an emptiness that resides there. And after a while, like it's just all that builds up and the the young boy comes alive and you have all these demands that you have towards the partner, especially the more intimate partner that they can never satisfy, which will give you fuel to, to, um, you know, dismiss them, push them away or, or, I know part my friends, they, they'd be a cunt, you know, because yeah. that's, that's all that can happen, you know, whenever there's such starvation within the body, you know? Yeah. Soul,
1: yeah. So and it's, body. and it actually, it's, uh, I appreciate you saying that because for many, many years, I just like so many of the rest of us, we, we, we see someone behave in a certain way and, and we make a judgment and, um, and, and often we just decide, you know, that person's a, uh, an asshole. Uh, pardon my French um, And that's it We label them as, as, as trouble And uh, you know Someone who's, who's, who's not good or nice But in reality As I learned through the years um, Everyone we meet is going through something Everyone we meet is born out of something And everyone we meet Regardless of how pretty The picture of your family was As a kid You are carrying trauma We are all carrying trauma We're built to do so uh, there's an argument to say we're here to do so, um, and I became a, a whole lot more forgiving <laughs> when I when I finally sat with myself and started to do the the real work and, and to realise, wow, okay, yeah, you did some pretty terrible things, um, and that was the beginning of the forgiveness process, and um, and that was a, a beautiful time for me. Uh, and it, uh, I don't know how much uh, you've had to do with the 12 steps program, but I actually didn't do I didn't do the 12 steps. Um, I, I, I kind of I did a, a whole other alternative healing route, um, but I did uh, do some volunteer work at a um, uh, clinic, 30 day rehab clinic uh, not too long ago honestly I, you know i have a, i've had over 25 years in the marketing business uh, i've i've been involved with record labels and dating agencies and all manner of other exciting entrepreneurial enterprises been all over the world done some you know pretty awesome stuff had a very very fortunate time in terms of life experiences as as, as much as unfortunate but the first 45 minutes i did working in that clinic
0: was the most worthwhile job i've ever done mhm yeah, man. It's something when you're, when you've been on a journey to, uh, you know, really, uh, understand your own trauma, your, your, your own struggles to open your heart. And then if it's your thing, cause it's not everybody's thing, but then for you to be sitting with another person, you know, who's struggling or where you're in a, in a, in a rehab facility where there may be a group of people in to try to find their way back to themselves again, or, you know, heal or understand the, the struggle that they're in, dealing with. It's quite something to, to be in that uh, sort of exchange and, and just, you know, like, and all those things you mentioned, all those great glamorous jobs you had and, and, mm. and, and great experiences, something different happens when you're in this place where it's not about who, you, you know, like what you do, it's like you're coming in and it's who you are that's impacting uh, that's coming alive, man. it's it's not the friity. it's not the toolkit. it's it's not all these things. it's like when you come in, you come in just it's it's martin michael o'Toole who yeah. who in his ordinary wonderfulness is um making an impact and and that's mm. that's what I take from i mean i've made a I've made a business out of this because I love that feeling I get that feeling every day when yeah I man well,
1: I'm, I'm I'm envious of that i, I think uh, and and I say I, every time i meet uh, a healthcare professional, but specifically a mental health care professional. These days, I say, "Wow, you know, like the, what you're doing, uh, especially right now in, in this time when we have such a, a, a sick society and it's rising. Mental health, mental illness is rising, suicides rising as well. You know, you know now more than ever, we need more people like you doing what you're doing. And it's, I, I, I of course, I took it for granted because we do. I think so many of us do when we plugged into the matrix, we plugged into the success machine, we plugged into the destination milestone based rat race, hamster wheel bullshit existence. Um, Sadly, we've got the blinkers on You know, we're not looking around at anybody. We're not realizing our intrinsic connection with everyone on this planet, with the nature, with the animals. We don't, we don't see any of that. All we see is, you know, our bank balance, where we're going on a holiday, uh, where we're going out for dinner and, and, and what we're driving. And it's, I, and I don't mean I don't mean to make a sweeping generalization, but um, I, it took me a long time to, to realize the futility of wealth and the futility of, of shiny stuff. Um, and as you say, when I walked into that clinic, I was granted I had a T-shirt and shorts on, but metaphorically, I was stripped naked and um, and it was it wasn't about me. It was it was about listening to these people who were literally in their first 30 days of rehab as well, and you know how that goes. Um, yeah. I mean, people turn up on on the plane. They're smashing in a load of uh, a load of drinks, or maybe even smashing in some drugs because they know it's the last time they're going to do it for 30 days. So they turn up, you know, in pretty in a pretty bad state. And all I could think of was, oh wow, I'm I'm in service to others for the first time. And uh, that's that's an epic feeling, and I guess that's why I'm on the internet talking to you about this stuff, you know, and it's why I'm uh, why I'm I'm more than um, happy um, to to talk about my journey, my process, uh, and and you know the gratitude I have to myself and those around me for 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 getting me out of the other end, and and actually you know <laughs> I've gone from from having an alcohol problem to a coconut habit, so. <laughs> you know, shit be real, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I, 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 I just have a, a sense now that this is what I want to do for for the for the next part of my life. It's to talk about these things, is to write about these things, is to do a podcast about these things, um, in the hope that not not to try and rescue anyone because I know what the drama triangle looks like, and I know when we try to fully rescue someone uh, who's either consciously or subconsciously adopting the victim role, it, the roles ordinarily switch and we become the victim and they become the perpetrator. So it's a fine line, but what I'm keen to try and do is, is just plant a few seeds and then, you know, people are interested in them watering their own garden, then awesome. And if they're yeah. not, that's also fine. You know, don't listen, don't read, switch it off, put Netflix back on, uh, watch the Cardassians, you know, whatever ticks your box. Um, but yeah, I know, sense
0: reality, it would be nice that everybody would be ready for change. And uh, the 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 truth is, it's not for everyone. And it's and, and it's kind of you know, it's really good. I think the time in my life when I made peace with that, you know, and it's uh, it's for those and it's not about fixing them actually or rescuing them. It's about no. accompanying them, you know, walking yeah. with them, you know, being. Yeah interested you know uh slowing down with them helping them yeah come home to some of the disowned parts of self but i'm curious martin as i'm sitting here with you and you know just to bring it back to i'm in the rat race um killing it which often addicts do they have this a, a sort of uh, intensity uh, of uh, you know uh, uh, addictive tendency towards like getting it getting it done sometimes for those that get into it. So you went yeah. into the a marketing business and you were like killing it, killing it, killing. It. Can you walk me through the stage until it all got too much and 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 uh, what what happened that made you turn that turn? Yeah, all yeah, hand, for sure. Put on the handbrake and swing it the other way, man. Like what what actually happened?
1: Well, uh, the photo that just came up was, um, that uh, bizarrely, that photograph is taken in, I'll just come around here so you can compare and contrast, but that photograph was taken in 2011. That guy does not look happy or healthy. Uh, And you know what? He wasn't, actually. So I'd had a a number of things that occurred um, at that time and i was yeah i was absolutely uh, bossing it with a, a, a it was a new agency with a, a business partner wonderful man called don um, incredible talent uh, big heart family man stoic you know and 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 held true to his values uh, and and in many ways it was sort of a yin yang relationship but i didn't realize i was i was actually suffering from ptsd in a form And this is self-diagnosed. You understand. I'm not being. I don't wish to appear melodramatic, but I've I've been uh, been living in Switzerland for three years prior, and uh, and had a completely different job. And and my job was uh, to essentially entertain uh, very wealthy people, and uh, and take them through a a, a process of opening Swiss bank accounts for businesses. Very very dull sounding stuff, but it was uh, high end luxury gig and it involved being drunk out of my mind five days a week um which on expenses which uh sounds very glamorous um and i thought it sounded glamorous for the first three months but then i realized it was destroying me and it turned me into a completely different um creature and i'll say creature uh Metaphorically, not judgmentally, about myself. But so I came out of that. It was a very, um, it was an explosive departure from that business. Uh, and I, I rocked up back in England, decided to get back in the marketing industry. Um, started uh, this business with this, this wonderful chap called Don. And actually, we grew a, a beautiful little business, and uh, we we created a team who were more like a family. With a great culture, with a great brand, and people were attracted to the the authenticity of the whole thing. But all the while I was, I was, I was back on the drink and then I was back on the cocaine and it was the, so I'd, I'd had probably three years away from cocaine and cocaine had already done some significant damage. Uh, hang on, my consumption of cocaine had done some significant damage, um, to me and those around me. But this time around I, I hit it, I, I hit it hard and it wasn't, it didn't end up being the the hardest I hit it, but it was definitely one of the harder times. So I was in a relationship I didn't want to be in, um, and regretfully, um, I allowed that relationship to carry on, and I, and I married the, the, the woman, bless her, cotton socks, and um, you know, I did not do her any favors at all. Uh, and all the while, I was um, drunk and high. I mean, I was, I was having all-nighters in this office, And I might even do my last line of cocaine at seven in the morning in this office and then clean up, you know, get rid of whoever had been in this office. And then I'd be sitting at my desk still from in the same clothes and and, uh, having not been home, you know, and then the staff would come in and I would have to just like pretend to be this, this normal guy. And I was doing this repeatedly on a regular basis. And I was working hard. So we were, we, we were bossing it. The agency was doing really well. And uh, and unfortunately I ended up um, having an affair with one of our employees um, and I lied to my partner about it and I lied repeatedly to my partner about it that was the that was probably the biggest thing so we uh, parted ways uh, that was ugly as uh, those sort of things are and um, and then I think I went to another agency and then uh, eventually started then my mum died and we can come back to that. Um, and then I started another agency. And through all of this stuff, um, I, I, I'd already had two breakdowns where my depression was getting lower and lower and lower. But on the, on the other side, my alcohol and cocaine consumption, subsequently my you know social life was doing this. Mm-hmm. So people, everyone around me thinking, you know, life and soul of a party. He's fun, isn't he? Um, but I was becoming more and more depressed and and um, more and more hateful of myself. Not, I didn't ever say these things to myself, but I now realised that I'd I'd fallen out of love with myself a long long time ago. In fact, had I ever loved myself consciously in my adult life? Um, and that's a big question we all have to ask ourselves ultimately. So I got to the point um, in, I was in London in 2018, 2019, another breakdown, everything going crazy, um, all around, lots of problems, um, and I had a, a, a good agency, lots of great, lots of great staff around me, but again, I'm, I'm seriously hitting the drugs. Well, actually, I stopped, I stopped drinking in, sorry, I'm going all over the place now, but I, I actually managed to stop drinking and uh, doing cocaine uh, back in 2018 after an incident where I tore a muscle in my knee and I just realized that was it. I needed to really stop. I was going to kill myself. So ultimately I just burnt out. And uh, um, through that period, I had realized that I was going too far and I'd realized that my behavior was was really affecting other people. And it was, wasn't only self-destructive, it was, it was mushroom cloud destructive um So actually back in 2015, 2014, uh, shortly after my mum died and I, I acted out with a funny enough the girl I was having the affair with, we moved in together. Uh, my mum died. She didn't know how to deal with it. she tried to of course everyone who, who, who loves everyone does try to do to help you but, if you don't want to be helped or you don't know what it is to be helped, or you are in fight or flight still, so you are still closed off to, you want intimacy on the one hand, you don't want it on the other. It's a bizarre conflict, I suppose. So uh, I was unfaithful to her and uh, she caught me out. And uh, and with the guilt and shame of that, I went on a bender, drank a whole bottle of gin, put my head through a window, sliced my arm up with a kitchen knife. Uh, and then shortly after that realized I needed to, to get help. And then, so I started seeing a therapist. Mm. So that was my first, that was the first big step in, and that was back in 2014, but it wasn't the, and that was just the beginning of the, of the, of the healing journey. It got a lot more interesting after that. Mm. Wow,
0: man yeah just uh as i'm sitting here with you you know martin just trying to experience you know like uh you know like the the sort of despair that must have been going on inside you know through those years and um and the need to medicate the pain of an unfulfilled childhood and you know and then to you know and then to be and and just never knew how to be intimate with yourself or then with any woman that came or you know like any or, or man even even just like to be intimate yeah. to be close to be vulnerable to be yeah you knew how to have sex but that's not what i'm talking yeah. about and yeah and just like so hungry and then like you know like they see you you know like um after to feel how it must have felt like after your mom passed away and and, and all the unresolved stuff there with your mother um, mm. and how that you know it would be very hard for you to make sense of and how things did escalate heavily after that that's that's intense and you know what was that first session going into the therapist how were you walking out of it
1: well i I'd, I'd actually I had reached out uh, a couple of years previously and had a couple of sessions with a therapist but it, it didn't work to me for me I lied to him I lied through my back teeth and I, I don't know if uh, i don't I'm sure people watching this and uh, listening to this will be able to relate I know a lot of people uh, who lied regularly to their therapist it's a <laughs> it's it's insane if you pardon the pun it's uh, it's nuts if you think about it but um well, with hindsight anyway. So it makes sense, man. I, it makes it, sense. You know, it's well,
0: so it hard we, you know, we to are, be honest.
1: We are just born, we are natural. When, we, when we're born into trauma or we or we you know we grow up around trauma, we, we we develop our own coping mechanisms. We become our own therapist. Um, and in our mind, that's a really good idea. <laughs> but actually with hindsight. It's the worst idea possible. So the the person suffering from all the trauma with all of the unhealthy uh, habits, with an inability to cope with or manage or process emotions, narcissistic personality disorder, violent tendencies, gaslighting abilities, very clever in an unpleasant and manipulative way, um, uh, abilities, you know, to interact with people and all the while pretend that everything is fine that guy is not the guy you ought to be taking life advice from. Uh, however, I was, and, and that's what we do. So, and, and we don't trust anybody else. we dare. We don't let anyone else in. We've we built a castle, and we built a moat, and we've built walls like that. One of those amazing citadels in the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, yeah. Nobody's getting through. Nobody's getting in. And, of course, ironically, nobody's getting out either um so yeah so we lie and um i said to this guy he's called michael uh and i'll never forget michael this this guy was uh he's 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 in that you know he's in the he's in the the story. He's in the healing story uh right at the beginning of it and i said to him this is only going to work for me i'm very pragmatic so this is only going to work for me if you explain the science behind it i don't you know don't go into the full-on uh uh, neuroscience and physiology of it but he was a uh, he wasn't a psychiatrist he was a therapist so he said okay i can do that and um so every time you know i would sit in therapy and you know what it's like sitting in therapy you know i'm sitting there quietly you're sitting there quietly i'm i am thinking you go first you're thinking you go first <laughs> we might spend 10 minutes not talking um until i finally give up a nugget of some incident that happened in this week or, or some thoughts I've been having or something that triggered me or whatever that starts the therapy conversation. But at the, uh, during and at the end of every session, Michael would explain to me some of the basics. So, we would, so he taught me about fight or flight. Uh, he taught me um, to see that my perception of intimacy was sex, as you just highlighted earlier on. I uh, naively thought that sex was intimacy. Um, which is why I was going around having a lot of it. Um, It never occurred to me for a moment that sex was, yes, it's a part of intimacy, but it's certainly and arguably not the most important part by a country mile. Um, So he taught me about intimacy. Uh, He taught me about uh, neuroscience and neural pathways. One of the things, certainly from my perspective, I can't speak for anyone else, but as you go through Years and then decades of, of this self-destructive, self-sabotaging behaviour, there does come a point where you, you, there's there's an added dollop of despair, and that is when you you tell yourself it's too late for me to change. I've been doing this too long. I'm a fuck up. Uh, I'm 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 you know I'm ruining people's lives and I can't change it. And even if I could change it, there's too much spilt milk under, too many burnt bridges um so and that certainly happened for me um and so one of the things we we did a, a lot of work on was was discussing neural pathways and and how we can change the pathway any, anytime we choose and start sparking and creating new neurons and uh but i i lied to michael as well i uh he i would turn up strung out quite often and i would talk about having a heavy night and he 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 knew. He asked me a few times, "Do I need to be worried about this? You know, do I need to be worried about your alcohol and drugs?" No, no, I've got it all under control, Michael. It's fine, you know, <laughs> as we do. So I lied to Michael as well because I was still lying to myself. But but I will never forget, and uh, and will always be grateful um, uh, for those sessions because it was it was the beginning. And despite me, then after a couple of years stepping away from that, telling myself I'm cured and then spiraling into some more mad stuff. Um, it was certainly the beginning. And, uh, and, and I've, had a, I've had a holistic healing journey. Um, so I've had that whole sort of traditional therapy, uh, thera- therapy um, aspect that we've just discussed. But then I took on a, later on, a, I, I took a whole new route, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But it, it was when my mum died, of um, course, she died an alcoholic. And uh, that triggered a lot inside me. It, it triggered this, um, it triggered all of that emotion that I'd suppressed. You know that movie, that um, Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Remember that? Yeah, I know it well. Yeah. So, <laughs> who doesn't know that? Da, 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 da. So at the end of that movie, the Ark gets put in a crate and it gets put on a shelf, on a load of pallets, surrounded by more and more racks of shells, more and more crates. And that's it. And actually the, the closing frame is the, the, this scorching occurs around the, this, uh, around the side of this box because there's something locked in that box that ain't going to be locked in a box and stuck in a warehouse well that's what i did to my emotions you know uh, and and all of my traumatic events Uh, It's fine chalk that put it in a box stick it on a shelf close the door of the warehouse and when my mum died man the roof like caved in on the warehouse and uh i don't know it was a small explosion and boxes just popped out everywhere and uh i'm going to leave them the warehouse metaphor now And I suddenly had to start. uh, My shit was everywhere. My emotions were everywhere. All of this, you know, these things were just sort of staring at me. But they were staring at me um, in a way that because I was acting out. So I was being even worse. I was amplifying my behavior even worse than I had before. Um, And ironically, the death of my mum was the beginning of my rebirth. The cycle of life. It's funny, like that, isn't it?
0: Yeah, man. Like, uh, you know, this. You know, it's wow. Like, uh, you know, just uh, what a pivotal guy Michael was, as I'm, as I'm feeling into that. And like, when did the wheels start to fall off the, 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 the sort of bus? Uh, you know, after that. Like, what was it that got you into? What started? To, what was the next steps of where there needed to be more intervention?
1: Well, I'd also, um, amidst all of this. It's a complex tale, so we won't go into too much of it. But um, from 2010, 2010, I'd actually been a confidential informant for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs Service. Uh, I'd been working in the tax planning industry, and I was essentially, as it transpired, manipulated by an undercover clandestine unit uh, of Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs Service, who did a great job of convincing me that... um, We'd all broken the law, and we'd all we were all going to go to prison for a long time. And if, if I didn't help them out, I I could do ten years. So I had this uh, this thing, you know, this burning secret. Uh, I wasn't allowed to tell anyone. I wasn't allowed to tell family or friends. Um, and I was warned that I would be arrested at some point. There'd be a raid. Uh, I wasn't even allowed to discuss my informant position with the arresting officers because they wouldn't know who i was and i wasn't allowed expressly told i wasn't allowed to discuss it with my therapist um and now like in those days you know you've got a you've got a small idea of what was going on in martin version 1.0's brain but he wasn't thinking straight in any way shape or form so in those days you know these people would tell me this stuff i just believe it and uh so i just got on with that so I didn't discuss this for a great, great deal of time with my therapist. And actually, when you think about it, it's grossly irresponsible of a government official to to say something like that to someone who's admitted they have a drink and drug problem, which I did. Uh, and, you know, they could see that my mental health was slipping. I was having clandestine meetings with these people, surveillance and counter surveillance and all sorts of mad stuff. Anyway, we can talk about that on another podcast. But um, I had this weighing me down and 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 of course I had informed on some people very close to me so I had that guilt as well um and you know they they'd done they, they'd had their fair share in, in our fallout you know we'd all we'd all done things to hurt one another um we're all co-responsible we, we must we must always accept co-responsibility for for events like that we can't ever say it's one person's fault. Um i can't remember who said who it was who said to me but there are three sides to every story there's your side there's my side and there's the truth um so i i was carrying this uh this thing and um and i was when i was eventually arrested i was uh, arrested for money laundering fraud and tax evasion big stuff you know like dawn raid stab vests cops everywhere six hours in the cop shop um uh, before I was released, um, and I obviously went to see a lawyer after that, and the lawyer was explaining that you know, if, if, if they had a case, and I was eventually charged, I, I might do 10 years in prison. And for someone who was living a life of attachment, literally a life of attachment, it was all about the brand, the stuff, because I didn't have anything else. There was nothing else. Martin really was a an empty shell. Um, that, that that became too much. So carrying that, carrying this shit with my mum dying, carrying this awareness uh, of guilt and this this concept that I wasn't ever going to get out of this. Um, one night I found myself with a, a loaded shotgun in my, in my mouth. Um, and I was, you know, like seconds off blowing my brains out. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget it. You know, I... I had this beagle i had a puppy she was relatively young um and she just there she is bless her, macy last night a beagle saved my life uh and she uh she just sort of kicked the door open and sort of wandered in and just sort of sat there and just gave me this look and it was essentially really <laughs> you know like who's gonna feed me and uh and i <laughs> i think at that point i i well she stopped me and, and i think uh, she talked me out of it without even saying a word and um and that was that dog and i wound up having uh a phenomenal relationship and i know it might sound bizarre to people who don't love animals or or see their their sentient uh being status but you know i'm here to tell you that uh that some animals uh, are are you know they have emotions they have feelings and they have a uh, they have a, a wonderful intuition and and a healing power uh and actually macy taught me how to how to love unconditionally um so we had this epic relationship that hound
0: and i hey martin uh just uh just for the viewers here like i I really just want to take a pause on that because like wow like what a significant moment in your life you know and and for the viewers out there who life is Burdens are building up. Stresses are are coming in on you. You're starting to feel heavy, depressed, overwhelmed by work and uh, a relationship that's not working, you know, like really struggling. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of people in the world, especially at this time in, in our lives where things are very uncertain and a lot of people struggle with uncertainty uh, and sometimes um suicidal iterations or you know sort of uh, thoughts come into people's minds i'm curious about as you talk about it now like what were you trying to kill in that moment that uh, was that's, too a, hard? that's a
1: great question and actually also thanks for thanks for pulling me back there i i often talk about these events um without the gravitas they deserve, um, primarily because I've gone through a healing process. So, so yeah, I, I hope no one thinks I'm being um, crass when I discuss suicide because it's a serious matter. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to kill the some versions of me. I think, <clears throat> with hindsight, there were many, many versions of me, and none of which uh, I liked. Um, and I think I've got to the stage where. I didn't like any of Martin. I didn't like any, any version of Martin I could possibly conceive. And even if I could conceive getting past an inability to uh, relate to women or or I could be less uh, violent in my language or I could be more um, adult uh, in, in dealing with conflict in business or with friends, none of which I could do, by the way. I was terrible at all of that. I would throw hand grenades over my shoulder and and just walk out the room and leave everybody else to deal with the aftermath that was a terrible terrible friend um so i there were no versions of martin i uh loved and there were certainly none that i particularly liked and even if there were and even if there was just one sort of waving his hand up um he was probably going to prison for 10 years anyway so i just wanted to blast all of all of Martin away and i couldn't see past um i couldn't see past any of that it's interesting i had a i had a friend um he was a really good friend actually and i was a terrible friend to him he was called rob and uh back in i knew him for a long long time in in uh leeds in the uk and and rob suffered from clinical depression um and he was you know he was doing his bit to deal with it i hope he doesn't mind me mentioning that um he was he was he was depressed and uh and he tried to talk to me about it i remembered i have remembered you know he tried to talk to me about it a number of times and i had absolutely no empathy whatsoever for him because for me i wasn't depressed you know i was fully functioning I, well i was high functioning right um and i'm thinking you know you seem to have had a great life what are you complaining about i've had i've lived the life of 10 men i used to say cockily um and most arrogantly and so for me depression didn't exist fast forward to that moment oh man you know i couldn't uh i couldn't get out of bed in those days and and again later in my life in london i couldn't get out of bed there were times when i would try to motivate myself to do something just shower uh and i couldn't i was so laden with the 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 pressure um the depression and I, so I, I fully understand what uh, what people are feeling when, when they feel depressed now. And I full, I fully understand what people are feeling when they feel suicidal. And for the record, since we're on, on the podcast talking about it, if anybody is um, considering anything like that, please, please, please just give yourself a moment, take a breath and reach out to somebody. Even if it's uh, somebody you don't know, like a total stranger, if that makes you feel more comfortable with doing it speak to a total stranger who's not going to judge you if you feel like you're going to be judged by anybody else pick up the phone to a stranger grab a stranger in the street but don't fucking kill yourself because honestly nothing is that bad and i and i know like people will be going people who are feeling that way will be thinking yeah it is you don't understand i do i absolutely do And I also understand on a more intrinsic and metaphysical level now, nothing is that bad. So uh, it took me a long time to get my head around that. Um, And it's a long journey. You know, healing is a long journey. There's no silver bullet. You know, there's no silver bullet. We all have a different pace. We all have uh, different modalities that work for us. Uh, But I guess the fundamental thing is we all have to want it
0: exactly you know it's uh you know it, it's like you know people as we started off this podcast talking about it, with some people um you know you know are not interested in healing you know or 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 talk uh, or confused by it or or think it's humorous um or just people who just don't want it it's 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 they're not ready to ask for help and that's kind of kind of like you can have a lot of compassion for that because you know we've all been there we've all been in that place where um we're so self-absorbed in our own isolation that um and it's so it's so intimidating or overwhelming to conceive that somebody else's mind knows more than yours and um or that another heart could actually be available to, to meet yours and uh it's a it's a it's 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 something i've learned to accept over the years as a as just an ordinary guy wanted to have hard connections and especially as i've learned to become a therapist over the years to really meet my clients and really redefine what it means to to be with them uh, and let go of the idea that sometimes people come to therapy don't want to be fixed and uh definitely do not uh, want help and 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 that's you have to allow time for that you know it's like that's part of it
1: yeah and it and i i would imagine it's occasionally frustrating in in your shoes doing that because having having sat in on the other side and having these you know often amazing breakthrough moments with with michael my therapist but then on the flip side of that yeah he wasn't stupid this guy was an incredibly intelligent man he knew i wasn't being honest he wasn't going to press me on it because like you he knew if i wasn't ready uh for that level of authenticity or to open that door whatever that door may be then i don't think there's a, there's much of a point in forcing it so and this is a this is another leads me on to think about another thing a lot of us we have this in society we have this um savior concept you know, we've grown up I, I obviously the, the hero's journey is intrinsic in all of us it's in our dna isn't it and of course it's in the movies we watch in the books we read and the plays we go to see and so on and so forth so and we have uh we've across history lots of uh high profile saviors but i i i do wonder if we've got to the stage as, as a society where we expect to be saved we expect to be rescued um and actually we're looking to uh, healing professionals to do all of that work. And and that's why we do check in to see a therapist with less interest in, in whether or not uh, we achieve it. I, we just go to therapy. Um, and the reality is I, we're not taking responsibility. Uh, and, I, and I think this was a fundamental thing for me anyway, um, in my healing journey was to finally, open up all of those dirty boxes from the metaphor earlier on and sit with them and literally sit in the searing pain of these events and these feelings and these emotions not to turn away from it not to do a line of cocaine not to smoke a joint not to smash in a bottle of whiskey just to sit in the pain but in that in that like beautiful and i say beautiful it's bittersweet um experience i was then able to see the, imper- the impermanence of these feelings to you know to sit with that pain but just to sit with it and watch it the way you would watch a flame in a fire well a flame in a fire changes right it's impermanent just like everything everything in the universe in fact the one universal constant is
0: in constants. Hey, Martin, when, how did, how did that happen for you? How did you, or what, what came together to help you feel safe enough to sit in amongst your, your pain and suffering?
1: Well, it came, it actually came with a complete removal, uh, from my environment. So, uh, as you know, I, uh, I had all of these, I had all of these legal issues. I've been carrying this, this thing this uh, sword of Damocles over my head for 10 years, almost, uh, facing um, potential uh, criminal action. I hasten to add, by the way, they never did charge anyone because the whole thing was, well, frankly, corrupt. But I should be cautious about what I say. Um, And uh, I was never charged, and uh, and the whole thing went away. But but they never bothered having the common uh, human courtesy to tell anyone that. Um, so we all had to carry that stress with us for a number of years. But it, it, it actually culminated in... Uh, I got a random email from my brother, uh, my younger brother, who I'd not seen for eight years. I'd worked with him in Switzerland. He was part of that explosion that I created. Um, I thought I'd never see him again. And he reached out to me and uh, randomly sent an email. that said something like, long time, no see. Is eight years long enough? At which point I'm like, whoa. and uh, but there was something very different about him, incredibly different. He was calm, he was loving, uh, he was uh, philosophical with his tone of voice. And he invited me to, to meet him. And I went to meet him uh, in uh, Lisbon, in Portugal, for the weekend. Just went out for dinner with him. Uh, and, uh, and we had a lengthy chat. And through that discussion, he, he caught up with me about what I'd been up to. I caught up with him uh we talked about my mother's death he wasn't around for that you know we'd all fallen out as a family and we didn't we we tried to track him down but we couldn't track him down so he missed that whole thing uh and then during the dessert he says to me uh i know you informed on on us and uh you know i spat the apple pie out or or whatever it was (laughs) checked my chest for laser laser points from some sniper rifle or something I'm kidding. Um, and, uh, and then I was forced to have this, this conversation this face to face discussion with the brother who I'd betrayed eight years previously. And I carried this, this, this toxicity within me. And I, I didn't know what to say. And he just said, I forgave you years ago. And man, that just, that just opened my heart. Um, I'd been sober for a year anyway, so my my body was clean, cleaner. Uh, my mind was certainly cleaner. And uh, that was the beginning of a, of, of, of an ex- a, a fantastic and a very beautiful healing journey. Um, and so fast forward, he sort of supported me uh, through uh, my depression. I'd, I'd been blinded. Um, In 2015, I was assaulted by a a chap who's, who's oh, there we go. Yeah, that's like a couple of days after. Again, super drunk and super high with a fractured eye socket and uh, an eye that didn't work. And again, I co-created that. Granted, it was a sucker punch, but uh, had I not uh, stolen his girlfriend from him, that's dramatic, I met his girlfriend. She was unhappy. We got together. I shouldn't accept all the responsibility, but uh, he took it very badly, uh, as you can see from the photo. So, my brother helped me through that this process, and he was he was a wonderful counsel, and and he'd he'd, he'd undergone his own journey, and it's not for me to discuss his journey, um, but he'd, he'd undergone a very powerful journey, and uh, and he was able to help me. And I'll never forget this. I I, I in a moment of despair through that process, you know, fast forward a few months. I remember speaking to him on the phone and I was offloading some stress and he was just listening and guiding me, and not not giving me too much. And I just said, I thanked him from the bottom of my heart uh, for forgiving me and for the help. And he just said, um, healing you is healing me,
0: which, uh, will always stay how with us. How does that land right now? And when, when you feel into that, you know, like, well, he, I thing. can't
1: have anything but gratitude for it. And, um, and actually, gratitude is a, a very underrated emotion <laughs> on a metaphysical level as well as it transpires. but um we all need to feel a little bit more great um, a little bit more grateful:
0: yeah well uh, Martin, to- as you talk, as you talk about that I, I, I feel the gratitude, but I feel something else way a bigger wave as I hear you talk, and it's like for the first time, you're not alone in your family, you know it's like you know like they like, like it's such a it's such a devastation to hide and it's not you know it's oh well, it's kind of fun to hide for a while and it's a devastation if you never get found and you just got found by your bro and uh, yeah and there's something about that that's essential for the people listening you know sometimes families break down they become estranged or you just be like meet up at you know a, a seasonally a different and nobody knows anybody nobody shares deeply with one another and it's a, it's a real it's a real devastation to be estranged emotionally from your family and have no depth of connection or or curiosity about how they are how 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 showing how you are to them and and, and what possibilities and magic and beauty that can come when we When we start to want to be curious about rebuilding those bridges with one another and and, you know like we again i say this in every goddamn podcast we can't do this thing called life by ourselves and it's so beautiful and wonderful to know that there is ways that we can go and build that bridge that was buckled or broken or cluttered you know uh, and 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 it's our own work that helps us see more clearly and when you were talking there i was just going saying yes yes this is like this was this this was and know a phenomenal step, where the little boy unconsciously within Martin was like, uh, mm. "Get his brother there," and he says, "I see you, I love you, and you matter to me." Like that's like, yeah, it's so yeah. nice. Yeah, it's
1: beautiful, and you put that so eloquently. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, not to not to do a disservice to my dad or my older brother, because actually, we all got to we became a tighter unit after my mum died. But we still, we we never, as a trio, we never fixed any of our our our, um, our trauma. We we never really Talked discussed it. it. Yeah. I, I tried to disc tried to discuss it, but um, you know, we weren't as a, we weren't as a trio. We weren't ready to, to, to tackle that dynamic. So, yeah, you're right. I, I I'd gone all this time alone. Actually, my partner, um, uh, who I'd been with for three and a half years, the girl who was going out with the guy who, who who gave me a whack, um, who incidentally said to me, "You reap what you sow, Martin." And uh, you know, I'm sure he said it, you know, to want to be quite unpleasant. But actually, well, actually, what a what a wonderful piece of advice that that ended up becoming. So, so thank you, James, uh, for what you for what you and I uh, got involved with, and thank you for the wonderful gift. Uh, it was a, a, an amazing lesson for me. So, um, and I'm grateful for that also. So, yeah, it's. Um, with yeah with with my brother coming back on the scene for sure it was and, and new and improved also so i i think the other thing i suddenly realized was well hang on a minute i've been going through this whole you know madness believing uh that i can't be healed it's too late i'm I'm past it and then he rocks up floats up <laughs> all zen like and uh and makes it very clear that you can and uh that was that was the fulcrum moment for me. And fast forwarding from there, I got talking to him about how depressed I was in general, how I actually hated living in London. Uh, my girlfriend and I had recently split up. Uh, I actually didn't like this business. I was working for, I was working for my team, not the other way around. Not, I don't mean that in an unpleasant way. The guys were an amazing team, another little family in fact, but as many small business owners will know, you start a business for a certain reason, usually around the concept of freedom or ego or wanting to grow something. Um, But then you sort, there are times when you look around and go, what am I doing this for? I'm actually, I'm killing myself. I'm literally leaking life force energy on a daily basis, stressing about the payroll or the HMRC's latest bill or the rent, yada, yada. And I told him all of this and he said, why don't you just change it all? And I said, What? i can't do that what are you talking about i've got a life here i've got a business i've got a brand i want to make a legacy out my company nothing is permanent he says change it all do something that makes you happy and oh hang on i've got my dogs making noise um and that was it that was the uh that was the I, i i think upon hearing that 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 really resonated with me and then very shortly hang on dogs sorry guys i'm just going to throw my dogs out sorry about that no problem ask, ask, ask. come on I'm doing a
0: podcast <laughs> yeah so sometimes it's, friends. <laughs> sometimes it's a friend sometimes it's a brother but uh you know it's, it's where you know if we let get closer to people or we be vulnerable with them or we allow ourselves to 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 move towards another and sometimes and we borrow their minds for a moment or we get we allow ourselves to get close enough to be impacted by their mind or their heart it can you know instead of being lost in in, in our own pinball sort of uh, isolated mind of our own sterile sort of uh, landscape of uh, neurons that are outdated uh and we can have a new experience we can have wow like this that's possible is is that really possible yes it's possible and then this is what's got martin going now because something's happening when he's having this conversation with his brother um yeah part, definitely part, and, and well shortly after that i uh,
1: well shortly after that i did my first ayahuasca journey uh which i would say was uh the life-changing moment i obviously i've already said oh i had this journey and i had that journey and that was life-changing well this this whole life journey uh never stops and learning never stops so this was, uh, yeah, meeting the, um, the the grandmother ayahuasca and and wachuma doing plant medicine journeys that absolutely changed my life um, and gave me a phenomenal amount of healing. Um, I, I healed a significant uh, depth of trauma. That's in Peru on the same trip in South America. I was in I was in Peru in the Sacred Valley. I, I was in, um, up in Cusco, doing the, the Inca trails, working with shaman. Uh, and then we, we shuffled off down to um, Brazil, to the jungle, uh, hung out with this uh, uh, beautiful, beautiful tribe called the, Noquequin, or the, the um Well, the Noquequin, that's what they're known as, or the Catuquina that's their other name. And uh, I did an ayahuasca journey with the whole village even the children you know the the entire village is um sat in ceremony in this maloka. i don't yeah well what what what
0: what, what, you know like just forget about even the medicine but just the opening you know of the family the whole village like you're like you're part like another like uh, i mean almost like surrounded embraced by Yeah, yeah like just eat like it's not it's there's so many parts to you know to to a ceremonial process and uh-huh. you know and, and and the medicine is is powerful but that just like just like what you never had on some yeah. level yeah it's yeah. happening as the foundation of all this, other happenings, which is just so powerful to, to feel. Totally. About. And I'm
1: also, I, I so obviously I, I packed up, uh, and I moved to Bali and, uh, I closed the agency. I told the guys, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just shutting all this down. I'm going to go and live in Bali. And what are you going to do? I don't really know. I might, I might create this app business. Uh, but actually when I got to Bali and I started on my healing journey and I met a few characters and I, I, I discovered all of these many, 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 um, modalities, ancient healing modalities. I, I got to add, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a pharmaceutical in sight of my healing process, and nor should there have been, in my opinion. Um, my heart just opened, and uh, and as a result of that, I just put myself out there, and and I, and I was I was vibrating on an entirely different frequency, and as a result of that, attracting like-minded people. So I wasn't, I was no longer attracting drama. I was no longer attracting negativity. And as many people know, Bali is this very curious little mecca of healing, this teeny tiny island uh, in Indonesia on the other side of the planet. Uh, but it is uh, a very energetic uh, island and a very magical place. And it, and it attracts a great many talented and uh, powerful healers like this chap that's murta Ada. Uh, he is a phenomenal healer. He actually healed his own liver cancer through meditation. Uh, and he teaches that meditation technique. Uh, it's called the Tapabrata. And it's a silent meditation retreat that you do uh, for a week in the jungle in Bali. And uh, that was at the end of, um, of the week. And actually, I had a, a profound moment during that, uh, on the, the last day of that retreat so pak murta invites you through this meditation process every day you know we're up at 4 30 every morning we're going to bed at 10 30 every night and we meditating all day silence no phones no books no technology no pens no paper silence for, for a week and he invites you to uh to chant may all beings be happy inside in your head may all beings be happy like the Sanskrit expression, uh, loka mantra, loka samastar uh, sukino bhavantu. That's may all beings be happy and free. And so you spend a whole week doing this meditation and, and then going into your body and examining parts of your body. And, and in doing so, trauma pops up, pain disappears, memories from your childhood. It's, an, it's an, an amazing experience. And then on the last day, he invites you for the first time to turn that love on yourself and say, may I be happy, and no word of a line, Nigel, when I did that, and I was in a full meditative state, I just popped, my heart popped, and I just sat there quietly sobbing for the whole meditation. It was such a beautiful, beautiful experience, touches me now even when I think about it, and I just realized in that moment, I finally learned to love myself. And and, and and then, of course, the retrospectives of realizing you never loved yourself for 40, whatever it was, 44 years, 43 years, you never loved yourself. What? Well, hang on a minute. How is anybody else supposed to love you or know how to love you if you don't even know how to love yourself? And that clicked, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right. Ding, light bulb moment. <laughs> You know yeah, so you can teach man. an old dog new tricks
0: <laughs> yeah even the most stubborn ones we can do that you know i changed <laughs> and, and and i was i was a hard head um but um yeah man just just for the viewers watching you know we got we got a few minutes left but just for the viewers watching and if you're listening after this recording or listening now like just taking a little minute you know just to slow it down and And no matter how bad the day is or how alone you might feel in the world or how empty you feel inside or sad or ecstatic you might feel then just finding a few breaths and just and just coming into that place and like not feeling that love feeling your heart and then like and just like just focusing what you know is more i've i've I have goose pimples and hairs down on my neck and my, my traps have just jumped up about another half inch. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it's like, it's like, you've
1: got big traps as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it's, it's all the meditation. Um, and it's, um, it's this, it's this thing, you know, that, that we just forget to say it, you know, like, can I sit here and just feel my heart and, and, and love on myself some, can I like, uh, sit in it and it. Yeah. You know, just, you know, that's my, that's my prayer for everybody watching, you know, and, and mm. uh, kind of birthed here by Martin and his, 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 his moment of being able to join something that was broken back together again, remembering, you know, something that he had forgotten, that, 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 that he can love himself and he can be happy. Um, mm. And, of course, you have to work at it then. You know, it just doesn't stay like that. But just in this moment, for those listening, you know, take a moment and slow down and feel into that big expanse called your heart and feel that you're loved and that you are enough. And yeah, just drink on that nectar. (laughs) Yeah, Quite right. It's a, Mm.
1: it's a wonderful gift to give yourself is the gift of self love. And, uh, it's something we take for granted or it's something we convince ourselves we, we are doing yet. We're not. And once I unlocked that, I unlocked, a myriad of opportunities Uh, and forgiveness, of course, was one of those because they are intrinsically linked. The moment I learned to love myself, I learned to forgive myself. And in that, I forgave everyone who'd ever transgressed um, my way. But at the same time, I forgave myself for all of my misdemeanors because I realized I've been carrying all the guilt of my misdemeanors. And actually, that is forgiveness. And we forget, we we often, we misinterpret the concept of forgiveness. It's us loving ourselves, forgiving ourselves, letting go of that event, letting go of that emotion. That's forgiveness. It's all in our power. You know, it's like, it feels like
0: it's hard hard to tell the difference between, you know, what my novice understanding of self-love is and what you're just talking about there, Martin, which is, I believe self love is loving the parts you learned not to love. And mm-hmm. like, to, like that's it, like sitting with uh guilt, the shame, you know, like sitting letting it move through yeah. the system, letting it be grieved, you know, letting mm-hmm. yourself feeling bereft by, you know, what's there. And like, that's the most loving thing ever, you know, in my opinion, yeah. it's like allowing yourself to be with that and like, I used, to totally. was, I used to think it was, I used think it was manicures and pedicures, although so they're, they're fucking nice as well.
1: <laughs> and going down the gym, yeah, me too. Uh, as it turns out, I had it wrong. Uh, yeah, and, and and of course, then you can see the impermanence. Emotion is energy, and uh, we we lock all of our emotion, all of our energy in our body, and this is why we wind up with uh, serious illness, why we get cancer, it's why is why we kill ourselves, why we have heart attacks. It's we are locking an uh an event uh a negative energy inside our body an emotion in our body the moment we i think for me i totally agree with you what you said about self-love and and i I will add uh for me self-love was uh unconditional love for myself that's the purest form of love in, in my opinion is unconditional love um and i finally had it for myself which was you know pretty good going milestone after 43 years and it, and it opened up a, it opened up a, a whole host of opportunities and different energies and different people and now i've got a wonderful partner jules uh, who actually uh, agreed to marry me a few weeks ago and she's a wow. yoga teacher. yeah i mean i never thought I'd, uh, brother. yes i i it's i never thought i would be in this situation again and uh, i have some wonderful friends around me and uh, um, I have two beautiful, uh, puppies that we rescued from a lakeside up in the north of Bali. Um, and now I'm writing like a, like a, like a crazy man, um, and launching this podcast, which of course is, is all about this, all of the same things we're talking about. It's called how to die happy.
0: Um, yeah, tell us, tell us everything about the book, the podcast, what's happening in your life right now. And uh, for anybody who wants any information, we're going to have all of it in the links below. So, so tell me about now what's, what's cooking brother? What's, what's on the, well, what, what,
1: what I, what I've done now, I guess I, uh, I, I just, once I embraced the concept of change, I sort of threw it up into everything and thought, well, hang on a minute, do I want to be in advertising anymore? Probably not actually. Um, I do still, uh, do freelance work obviously here and there, but, uh, you know, re- reality is that I actually want to, I want to write about these experiences, not necessarily my own experiences, but perhaps um, the human condition. I want to write about. I want to write about our pursuit of happiness, our fear of death, and everything in between. And and I just want to be able to throw my seeds into into that garden for hopefully for some other people who might be sitting with that shotgun or with whatever that that thing is that's you know that that absolute point of despair where I was a few years ago, thinking there's no hope for me there's no opportunity for change and I want I I would love for people to at least hear some of my story and know that there is an opportunity for change always every damn day every minute every millisecond there is a there is a chance and a choice for change so um yeah so I'm writing a book um about this stuff and meanwhile uh we are recording our first episode of how to die happy Uh, this afternoon, funnily enough, and we'll we'll go live on the 30th of September. We have a a whole host of wonderful guests, myself and my co-host, Chris Syracuse, who's a slightly sad producer from L.A. Uh, He's over here in Bali as well, on his own healing journey, as we all are. And um, we have international best-selling authors and musicians and um, counselors and healers, healers, a lot of healers, uh, with their own perspectives. And it's the premise is around the common deathbed regrets. Uh, there have been studies and surveys done. And there are uh, there are ten deathbed regrets, common topics. And it's all the things you would expect. And it's all the things we all expect. When people are at the end, they suddenly realise, I wish I'd said I love you more. I wish I'd spent more time with family and not work. I wish I'd been more authentic. I wish I'd, I wish I'd had the courage to live my dreams. I wish I'd had the courage to be me. Um, and so on and so forth and there are there are some really really sad regrets in that list and when i came across them you know it kind of broke my heart a bit and i i just thought that that could have easily been me but now i'm dying just like we all are i realize my my time will come at some point uh and i'm fairly happy (laughs) <laughs> that there isn't going to be that list of regrets um, because I've dealt with it and uh, I've done that work and and now uh, every damn day uh, I'm grateful to be alive I'm grateful to be have breath in my lungs I'm grateful to be healthy and to have the ability to love and to be loved I'm grateful for, uh, for this amazing planet and community of humans and animals and insects and um, flora and fauna we have around us um, so you know, that's the vibe and, and, and I'm just enjoying being alive now,
0: which mm. is pretty cool. Yeah, man, that's, that's quite a meal right there. Just uh, sink my teeth into feeling into that, <laughs> you know, it's like, damn, that's like a 12 course right there. You've just created for yourself. <laughs> Taste and, the meal. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what, that's what you call, uh, you know, kind of, you know, when you've been so deeply starved in your childhood, to re-find a healthy hunger for life and, and 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 not to be continually reenacting the starvation and uh, the the courage it takes to be able to do that you know and just as we come to the end here um Martin you said something powerful earlier about you know if you're feeling um suicidal and just reach out and talk to somebody even even a stranger so just I suppose I'll ask you the same question again and just like for anybody watching who's struggling in life in any regard, you know, whether they're depressed, suicidal, lost, stuck in a job, they don't like any relationship that doesn't work, an addict, uh, someone who's, in um, <clears throat> an insomniac or someone who's chronically ill or chronically sick in some way. What's something that you would like to say, say to them, uh, out of, I'm sure hundreds of things you would love to say to them. What stands out right now is something that's important to let them know. I think, My main thing would be to say,
1: you are loved. And uh, even if you don't feel it, or you admittedly don't really know what love is, and even if it's not some people around you, or the the family or the friends who may have mistreated you, you are loved. Uh, You just don't know the people who love you. Um, (laughs) And there are a lot of them, you know, because we are a community, and we are intrinsically connected. And you know, I love you. So actually if push comes to shove and you've got nobody else to talk to, send me a fucking message and I'll talk you out of it. I'm joking to an extent cause I don't want to be too jovial about this, but it's, uh, the only way you're going to get from A to Z here is at some point along that rocky journey, you have to make the choice. You have to make the choice to change and it can be a real small choice. It can be a choice to not have that drink or not have that line or not, you know, not inject that, that needle uh, or not self-harm or not say that unpleasant thing that you tend to say to yourself or to somebody else. So it all happens uh, with one little thought in it, and it's choice and it's change. But all I can say, and I will say this until the cows come home, everything is impermanent. Everything. Life is love suffering happiness death all impermanent so if we can accept that everything in this universe is impermanent and we can embrace that then we can learn to surrender to that and ride that wave uh, and actually life becomes quite fun yeah at
0: least it is for me <laughs> More, no. Martin O'Toole everybody thank you Martin uh deeply thank you, touched Nigel. To have me here today and uh, no doubt we will be uh, we'll be in touch again but uh, moved by your honesty moved by the courageous effort that has brought you to how you feast on life now in a way that that fulfills you nourishes you deeply and and hope you know and for the people watching you know like uh, there'll be all links to Martin's podcast and uh, uh to the new book when it comes out on this platform so um you know don't be don't be shy reach out and uh martin the everybody thank you martin thank you brother thanks for having me on really appreciate it it's an honor thank you all. that was the roller coaster today guys what a what, what a beautiful hearted man um what a beautiful hearted man and um and to so all use beautiful hearted men and women out there young and old um reach out. Uh, know that it's important. Um know that um what what really matters right now is um that if you are struggling that you get help. You know, if you're and even if you don't know what help looks like, you can uh again message us and, and we can give you links to uh supports in your area or we can arrange for you to speak to someone if you need that sort of support. So yeah, don't be alone with this. And again, for those watching who enjoyed this and uh, it impacted you in some way, please hit the like button or the share button or the subscribe button. It really helps us a lot with our algorithms, and it helps helps reach more people. So again, just uh, quoting uh, Martin O'Toole here, just uh, come back to your hearts this week. You know, remember the self love. Um, Uh, feel into your heart feel into that 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 expanse and and drink from it drink heartily uh, from from within thank you everybody see you next week